Are you ready to experience something extraordinary? Cultural gems in Croatia, ancient temples in Asia, art in Italy. We'll take care of everything. Flights, accommodation, excursions, local guides and all that planning. Travel department, let's see more. Hello, I'm Connor Faulkner and this is Driving Life. Welcome to episode 38, where I meet Senator Michael McDool. I was delighted that we had a chance to have a long chat. We talk about the life and death of the PDs, Northern Ireland and why he now thinks the St Andrews Agreement was a mistake, and Sinn Féin's democratic credentials. Along the way, we hear his thoughts on the Irish left, the decline of the church, the planning system, and his reflections on 30-plus years in public life. Before we join him, I'd like to take a moment to say a big thank you to our sponsors, Doro Mobile Phones and Expressway Buses, two great companies in very different areas. They're very good to support us, so thank you very much. Don't forget to check out earlier episodes and chats. It's all there on seniortimes.ie or wherever you get your podcasts. So now let's go and meet Senator Michael McDool. Hello, Senator Michael McDool. Lovely to chat to you. Hello, how are you, Connor? I'm in great form, thank you very much. Uh, lovely to talk to you in your beautiful office in Leinster House. Um, you're, you seem well ensconced and comfortable here. Um, you, you've been in and out of these buildings for many years. Yeah, I've been elected to various positions in Leinster House on five occasions. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I'm used And once to, as Attorney General, because that, so that was a yeah, cabinet post. that was a know? cabinet post, yeah, and that was over in government buildings. Yeah. I do think it's a huge honour to um, be elected in whatever uh, context to Leinster House. Um, and we, I don't know, sometimes I think we under-respect that, but uh, mm. uh, I, one of the chats I had was with Dermot Ferrisher, the historian, and we were commenting that, you know, Ireland is a hundred years as a stable yeah. democracy and its institutions work, and you can get complacent about that. Well, we can, and um, there's, you know, when you think back, Ireland is the longest operational constitutional democracy uh, in uh, republic in, in, in Europe. Yeah. You know, all the others had dictatorships, fascist the, governments, the, the, communist governments, all the rest of it. The flame almost went out. Yeah. And uh, we include the UK in it as a democracy, but we'll... Uh, well, they are. We, we'll, we'll say they haven't a constitution. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but listen, we might get to that chat a little later on, because I know that, uh, amongst other things, yeah. you, you have interests in, in the constitution. Yeah. Um, but it's a lifetime in, in public life, where it might have been otherwise, because obviously you, you, know, you qualified in law, you might have practiced that and, yeah. and never gone near public life. But you chose to do it. Um, so, I, I, initially, why that, and then, I guess, why PDs? Okay, well, just starting off, um, I uh, was born in 1951. I went to college in 1969, UCD, did, yeah. uh, did, uh, became an art student in um, economics and politics. And um, my family was traditionally a Fine Gael family, mm. and uh, I was interested in politics, so I joined the Young Fine Gael branch in UCD. And um, then uh, Gareth Fitzgerald became the uh, local TD, and uh, he, his family and my family were friends. Then when he took, o- when he took over the leadership of the party mm. in 1977, he um, asked me to become his constituency organiser. So I was a young barrister. Yeah, uh, three years in practice, so that involved going to twelve branch meetings every month. 
the practicalities yeah. of being involved. So, in so I, I learned the political trade there, and then I became chairman of the of Fitzgerald's constituency, um, and. Up until the time that the PDs were formed, from when the eighty-two to eighty-seven Finnegan yeah. Labour government was uh, put in place, I began to think that you know that they were not doing anything about deregulating the economy, mm. reducing taxation. Taxation was massively high. It was one time seventy-seven cent in, in the euro or seventy-seven p in the pound. And the, and the point I remember as well, and, I, and I've said in other conversations that uh, it, the eighties was a horrible. It was a horrible decade. It was, it was a horror. And before we get on to the PDs, yeah. people forget, you know, in those days, the state owned two banks, two insurance companies, mm-hmm. two shipping lines. An airline. Uh, 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 the, an airline, which was part of a cartel with the with um, BEA. And yeah. we, we had the highest, most expensive travel, London, Dublin, there ever was. They owned all energy, ESB, gas, and they owned all communications, uh, and posting telegraphs around the phones yeah, very yeah. badly. Um, you wanted to get a new telephone yeah, installed. Yeah, 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 yeah. You had to give 50 quid to people to get phones <laughs> put in. It was terrible stuff. And, uh, you know, old uh, means of communication. Um, and the state owned a shipping yard, an oil distillery, mm. uh, and, and, um, a fertilizer factory. I mean, yeah. the state owned virtually everything. And the reason was that until the um, late 1960s, Ireland had a declining population. Yeah. You know, the, we were hemorrhaging people. We were, in fact, a state in failure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was Ken Whittaker and others and Sean Lamass who um, started, turned, started, started uh, to, to see that we needed um, it, it, a different approach. It was also a generational project in that we did eventually raise a kind of an, a lot of them emigrated, but we had an army of economic graduates. Yeah. Um, and that sort of created fertile soil for the yeah. recovery that came about. But at that time in the 70s and 80s, grim, grim decade that the 80s was, people will forget that Fine Gael at that time was really the progressive voice because on the social agenda, abortion classically and divorce, it, it tended to be um, Fine Gael much more than Fianna Fáil that were advancing that. Yeah, but Fine Gael was a fairly conservative party Austria, at the time. Yeah, Alice Lenz. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There, were fairly, there were fairly conservative people yeah. there. I mean, uh, but... Uh, I was a liberal by disposition, yeah. and um, so was Gareth Fitzgerald, obviously. But he was um, much more into socialism, social democracy than mm-hmm. I was. I, I actually wanted to go in a different direction to free up the Irish economy. Yeah. So it's not a classic left-right split. I mean, some some people think that you know the right is is all things associated with the right, which means socially conservative as well as economically yeah. libertarian. Um, and you know the left is the opposite. Um, yeah, but in yeah. fact, that it's perfectly possible to be a complete social libertarian exactly. who also believes in business. And exactly. I mean, uh, before you came in, I just found on my desk a, a pamphlet about a, a left government published by People Before Profit. Do you know I love that? I love um, that. And there it is on your desk. Yeah. I mean, is, is that is that to wind you up? No, no, no. I, I, I discovered that it was available. Uh, for three euros, and I sent off my three euros to Richard Boyd Barrett and got it. And I, I, I mean, it's manna from heaven. <laughs> it, 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 it indicates, you know, what a left government would aspire to do. Yeah. And I sort of I looked at it and said, "Wow, if the people knew this." Um, so that's you on the. Um, so that's me in nineteen eighty eighty two to eighty five. Gareth is in government with Dick yeah. Spring. Uh, they are. Raising taxes, Alan Dukes uh, won't reduce any any taxes. Mm. Claims we are undertaxed. And one night, I'm watching TV at home, mm. and Des O'Malley 
is being flung out of Fianna Fáil. And, uh, Which was the genesis of the PD. Yeah, so he's discussed with Charlie Hawley that he could no longer conceal, essentially. Yeah, exactly. And he's actually interviewed on the steps of their headquarters in Mount Street. Mm. And um, I'm there in our house in Mount Pleasant Square in Ranelagh yeah. watching this with Neve. And I said to her, you know, if he started a new party, I'd join it. Mm. And Neve said, write him a letter tonight and I'll post it tomorrow. Right. Commit yourself, yeah. So uh, she, I, I claim to be the only person who ever nagged into politics. <laughs> <laughs> and I wrote that letter and um, it sat on a file of similar letters. And about a year later, Des O'Malley is discussing with Mary Harney mm. um, the possibility. This is to do, uh, they were um, about, she was about to be expelled from Fianna Fáil right. for, for voting uh, um, in favour of the Anglo-Irish Agreement. And uh, you know, people forget all these Indeed, things. Yeah. But um, she, uh, she he, he said to her, I have a file of letters there of people who said they would help. And she went through it and she saw my name and she said, he's worthwhile contacting. So that's what happened. Well, in my mental picture, there was sort of a gang of four. There was, there was uh, Desimali, Mary Harney, yourself and Pat Cox. Uh, and for me, that was the original nucleus. Am I wrong about that? Or well, um, at the beginning, Pat Cox came slightly later, okay. but he was, he was hugely uh, um, involved in organisation. He's a very, very skilled organiser. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, there was, there was a... A, a small group, Paul McKay, b b by the way, um, an accountant who lived in Matgar, he um, uh, also was one of the um, moving parties at the very, very beginning. Right. We took a lease of a headquarters in, Mount, in um, uh, South Frederick Street. We launched the party on uh, 21st of December 1984. Mm -hmm. And uh, our first opinion poll showed us at 24%. <laughs> So no, as, as, Mary Har as Mary Harley <clears throat> later commented, um, uh, we were at 24% until they started reading our policies. <laughs> <laughs> but even that told you that there was a huge yeah. appetite yeah. For, 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 um, for something. In a, in a funny sort of way, maybe Sinn Féin is doing a similar manoeuvre in the sense that, you know, there's a 20-25% that just didn't feel represented at all by existing parties. But the, the PDs, here's an unfair overall running mm -hmm. lift summary, right? The party existed for 20 odd years spent most of its time in power and um, never polled higher than maybe 11 or 12 percent at its height and yet was colossally influential in terms of its policies being adopted essentially all of the things you discussed there worked mm. and paid enormous dividends for ireland yeah. I mean, there's economic success we reap from it but at the same time and to my mind inexplicably the PDs managed to become everybody's bad guy. Yeah, it, well, it, I, it, it, it was de rigueur. Every Dublin, yeah. South Dublin dinner party, people would bitch about the PDs. Yeah, an unemployment black spot in Limerick, people would bitch about the PDs. It, it seemed, I, I don't know why that was the case. Well, there's a, there's a number of reasons it was the case. First of all, um, to just go back to the idea of the PDs being yeah. um, in government. For the majority of their time. I mean, I remember talking to Des O'Malley and Mary Harney and talking about the role that the Free Democrats in Germany played. Uh, they were led by a man called Hans Dietrich Genscher at the time. Oh, and I he, he, that name. He, he used to, uh, you know, get seven or eight percent, but he actually determined the. It was, it was like the. The, the kingmaker role. He yeah. was the kingmaker, and he was the filling in the sandwich, if you like. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, 
um, that's what we aspired to be. So we never, we were never under any illusion that uh, you know you were going to get an overall majority. So if you weren't going to get an overall majority, you were going to be a, um, a participant in coalition government, and that was always our aim. Right. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is that at the time you forget about what was going on across the water. There was Maggie Thatcher, mm. and uh, the left immediately said that the PDs were Thatcherite. And we weren't. Well, sure, even now, when, when they're slagging the other actor, they call him a Tory. That's, yeah. that's the one thing that'll yeah. sting. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, but the media, I mean, the Sunday Business Post uh, was uh, its editor and one of its major columnists was extremely hostile to the PDs. because Damien because Kybert, is it? Mm, uh, Damien Kybert, yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, and Tom McGurk. Yes. Because we were... Um, uh, soft on the national question. I mean, our, yeah. our view was um, that the Anglo-Irish agreement was the way to go, that you had to reconcile unionists with nationalists, and that yeah. we, we were strongly, I mean, Des O'Malley was viscerally, and so was I, opposed to the provost campaign of murder and violence. And, uh, and, and that is one position of the PDs that was not a minority position. No. The Irish people at that stage, and particularly when things like Warrington yeah. and stuff happened, the Irish people were utterly disgusted yeah. with the IRA and there was no support, nor a sniff of it, electorally for, for the IRA's campaign down here. Yeah, but I mean, then you go on to the, the next leg of your question, which yeah. is why at dinner parties in South Dublin did people uh, sort of say, well, all the PDs. Which did uh, happen. Which did happen. I mean, but I mean, most of the gay people would say they're the people keeping Fianna Fáil in power. Yeah. And most Fianna Fáil people were saying, um, you know, when in doubt, leave them out. They're a nuisance, preventing us from doing what we want. Yeah. So there were two major cohorts in, in Irish voting uh, adults who, who were saying, who are these people? They're asking us to do things we don't want to do or giving us a government that we don't think should be there. Mm. The idea of breaking the mould of civil war politics was really not uh, um, understood by a lot of people. Yes. Uh, it was a bit like uh, Rangers and Celtic. You were either <laughs> FF or you were FG. Most, most people actually... Said, well, my family's Fianna Fáil. I, I, I vote Fianna Fáil. I've always voted Fianna Fáil. Yeah, or yeah. I've always voted Fianna Gael. And I, you know, I, I detest De Valera, or I love De Valera, or I, you know, yeah. um, uh, I hate Charlie Hawley, or whatever. Mm -hmm. There were all sorts of kind of um, deeply um, personal kind of attitudes and opinions which uh, un underpinned yeah. um, the hegemony that FF and FG had in politics. Mm -hmm. And now we know with the benefit of hindsight, um, what we always argued at the time is that there was damn old difference between them when it came to an awful lot of issues, you know. Yeah. And um, uh, we were unpopular because there were a lot of people, I mean, conservative Catholics didn't like liberalism in any shape or form. Yes. And then there was the fluff about taking God out of the Constitution. <laughs> and David Norris said he loved the PDs because uh, they offended half the country by taking God out of the Constitution and then they offended the other half by putting him back in again. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, there were things like that which yeah. happened. But, I mean, uh, in reality, I, I think it, 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 it was media-driven. The, the, the yeah. attitude of, of, of dislike for the PDs was media-driven and it was done mainly by a cohort of political commentators who understood the old system and didn't like any yeah. challenge to it. And, you know, it's interesting because you can look in the UK and we can, with uh, a degree of distance, say they're hugely influenced by a malignant media, a certain malignant media. Well, I mean, it's, it is the case now. I mean, I look at, across at uh, what happens on the island of Britain. Yeah. And the conservative media, the, 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 the 
from everywhere, from the Times under Murdoch and the Sun and um, the Daily Mail, the Daily Express, yeah. uh, and all of those newspapers, they hate Labour, right? And they do everything in their power to destroy Labour. Yeah. They hate the Scott Nats, so they are absolutely cock a hoop that they've that they yeah. appear to have damaged them. And they're and they slightly less rationally. Yeah. They hate all things EU. Yeah. Um, and perhaps in that context, more than most others, they therefore hate us. <laughs> yes, that's right. I mean, I've been looking um, in the context of uh, the um, Biden trip to Northern Ireland yes. at, uh, at the reaction in some of the English papers. They, all, they took it as a snob. Uh, but some of them actually went so far as to say he hates us. You know, he actually uh, hates well, us. Well, <laughs> in, including Arlene Foster. Yeah, which is, which is shocking, really. I mean, does she really believe that a president of the United States hates the United Kingdom. It's it's a ludicrous effort. It really is. Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Are you interested in trying a new smartphone but still a little unsure? Do you want a phone that offers larger icons, with louder sound and an interface that has technology designed for seniors? Well, why not choose from the Doro range by simply visiting doro.ie. Doro, make friends with innovation. One of the chats I had was with, uh, one of the podcast chats I had was with Doug Beattie. Yeah. Um, and I have to say that was refreshing. He well, was, he's a decent man. Uh, he's a thoroughly decent man. Um, he, he's you know, amenable to, he's polite and respectful yeah. no matter who he's talking to or about. Yeah. Um, and he's amenable to progress. Um, yeah. and, and the disappointment, I, mean, I think, is that that position tends not to get rewarded electorally. Well, that's the point. I mean, uh, but the same, if you like, happens yeah. to small parties in the South. He's now become a small party. Yes, yeah. And because of the deal that was done at St. Andrews, mm. which um, I was a key participant in, indeed, that, yeah. in that process, um, one of the results of it was that the that the ultimate prize of the first ministry uh, went to the party which had the biggest share of the poll. Yeah. So it became a contest between DUP and Sinn Féin to get more votes than each other. Yeah. And For, so and it, the it, reason, funnily enough, is only optics because there's yeah. no power difference. No, there isn't. And, and in fact, you could call them both joint first yeah. ministers, and it would be far better if that had been done, perhaps. Mm -hmm. uh, but in any event. If you're a Catholic nationalist in Straban, yeah, you will sort of say to yourself, "Well, if I don't give Sinn Féin a vote, uh, I'm going to have um, Paisley Jr. or somebody else yeah. uh, in as 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 the first minister." And that was that was a mistake. That architecture is mistaken. Prior to and, and, prior and to Saint one, Andrews, one of the architects, you'd acknowledge now. That yeah, that's yeah, that, that was a mistake. Prior to Saint Andrews. Um, all of the unionists and all the nationalist parties had to um, work out who they were each which they were yeah. nominating. So you could vote official unionist uh, without uh, compromising the union. Yeah. Put it that way. You know? and which which brings nuance into the conversation. Yeah. Means yeah. you can talk about things yeah. like how well are you running the bus yeah. service. You don't have to turn every vote into the national question but again, I, which I, is the DUP's sock and trade. Exactly, Colin. I mean um, the. Architecture of the Good Friday Agreement, stroke St Andrew's Agreement, yeah. is inimical to the centre ground. You know, mm -hmm. um, 
you know, you, you find yourself in the position that an alliance voter is effectively excluded from consideration when yeah. it comes to um, uh, various things because they won't align as a unionist or a nationalist party. Um, that's, um, it may have served a purpose to reassure yeah. people in the past, but now um, that veto, uh, as I mean, Sinn Féin deployed it over the Irish language and the cash for Ash affair. A, and a weapon of convenience, yeah, in my exactly, view, yeah. because it's, you know, you, you can always find a point of principle on which to quit, yeah. but, but they, and, and congratulations, but it achieves bugger all. Yeah, exactly, and, and they, they brought down uh, um, Arlene Foster's government on that basis, and there was a vacuum, and they planned it out. The DUP have done the same, the uh, border down the Irish Sea issue, mm. uh, and... Again, you know, the, 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 the outrage there, uh, although I do sympathise with the unionist, mm -hmm. unionist position there, because any sort of... Yeah, but, I mean, but everybody has since bent over backwards to accommodate all the practical aspects of it. I mean, bringing a potted plant over from uh, Stranraer to, to Larn, it is a bit ridiculous that you're supposed to shake all the, all the soil off the bottom. It, it and it's ridiculous that yeah. you're supposed to um, uh, go through massive uh, red tape to get a breeding... Uh, ram or whatever yeah. for your sheep flock over from England, but but a bit of goodwill, yeah, and it, and it can, has it been done. Out. Yeah, and the DUP are now faced with the uh, terrible question: how to say yes, how to say yes to yeah. um, uh, having a Sinn Fein first minister. That's their big problem. In in our own little republic here, then we're, we're five million of us, a uh, hundred years of functional independence, um, on a balanced scorecard much, much, much to be logged that yeah. is very, very good. You know, TK Whitaker and Arden and Crusher yeah. up yeah. to the Celtic Tiger and Silicon Valley and Google yeah. Docs. Um, much that is bad, mm. abdication of responsibility to the church, um, yeah. abuses, yeah. But that, that's being failed all, all, housing, people being failed in all sorts of levels. That's all coming to, um, a lot of that is coming to resolution now. I mean, for instance, the Catholic Church is uh, bereft of uh, priests. Yeah. And um, uh, one of the things I do um, is keep an eye on um, hardline Catholicism in Ireland. <laughs> there's, okay. th there's a newspaper called the, um, the Catholic Voice, which comes out every fortnight. Right. Whenever yeah. I see it, I buy it. And they are. Sure, your library must be a hoot. What's that pamphlet <laughs> you have there from, from Boyd Barrett? Exactly. Catholic but I mean, um, the, but the thing that fascinates me is that the polarization in um, among non-Hispanic American Catholics uh, towards a very right-wing Catholicism mm. is there. You know, they are big on pro-life. They are yeah, big yeah. on. I mean, they they want to uh, excommunicate Joe Biden. They want to. You know, <laughs> they they are tough. Uh, yeah. And there's a lot. There's a, they have a cohort in Ireland who sort of regard. The present government as the Antichrist, oh, right. and, and and the present cohort of Irish bishops as traitors to Catholicism. I mean, but the, 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 these guys are a little bit of a relic. It does feel as if the uh, you know the, the tide of history is just kind of moving away from them. Yeah, um, but they but, but they they are eternal optimists. You know, yeah. they they think the Holy Spirit is with them and their view of religion. And uh, that, uh, you know, they will win out in the end. It's just a matter of hunkering down and something terrible will happen. Well, and, and, you know, the, the, the American um, sort of Protestant, non-Catholic, yeah. extreme religious 
had the view that you know we only have to hold the fort for another 10 or 12 years because then the rapture is coming and yeah, we'll exactly. all have the pleasure of watching you know, homosexuals burn in hell. Yeah. So look, <clears throat> you're going to have those fringes in society, yeah. but that's not where most of us are. No, really. I mean, going back to your point about Ireland changing, I mean, the Catholic Church's dominant role in health provision, social welfare, social yeah. uh, services, education, uh, education that has is evaporate. It's withering like snow on the on the ditch. It's just not there anymore. Mm. The consequence of that is going to be very very interesting. I mean, uh, the Lloyd Barrett pamphlet is saying that all all education should be state controlled. Right. The present government made a colossal mistake mm. by saying that instead of having a situation where private landlords could have leases of say up to four years, if mm. you stayed for two years who were entitled to another lease of four years or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But eventually the landlord said, at least I can get it back at some stage. Mm. But they recently changed the law to say that once you're in for six months, the landlord can't get it back, except if he wants to sell the house with vacant possession, yeah. or if he wants to redevelop the house or whatever, or, all the rest of it, or give it to a family member. And the result of that is, and, and now Sinn Féin have, have, have really thrown petrol on the, on the, on the flames, mm. because they said, that if you want it back to sell it, you'll have to sell it with the tenants in it. And I mean, that effectively means uh, that once you let a premises for six months, it's, it belongs to the tenants. Yeah. And what people don't understand is they've even put into the law provision that if uh, you or I um, are uh, tenants of a house and we bring in a third person, you know, uh, of our age or, or whatever, we bring, a person, we bring in a person of 20 years of age, that person is entitled to, to be regarded as a tenant. So they'll acquire the rights. So the, so the rights are gone forever. So, and, and, you know, you may look at one side of the ledger and say, thank God, tenants have got security now. They can send their kids to school. They can have a life. Yeah. Brilliant, we make that rule. But your unintended consequences, there'll be no such thing as private landlords. Exactly. And you might not like private landlords, but, but like see, the bedsits, they're see, a the, critical part of Where the, the left are making a mistake, Connor, is they're saying private landlords are an, are an American real estate investment trust. Well, some uh, are, by, and that's an, easy mud to throw. By, by, by buying a huge block of flats. And I mean, who has sympathy for them and who cares yeah. about them? But I mean, so many other people are just people who, uh, you know, a couple who get married and they, and they have, the, have, the, have the apartment in the centre city, yeah. which belong to one of them. And, uh, and now they're setting up together. Yeah, now. exactly. And they, they, um, they don't want to sell it because they don't want to pay capital gains tax. So they let it out and they make it available to somebody else uh, who hasn't the money to buy an apartment. Mm. Now, uh, that whole lower scale mm -hmm. of, of the thing, you know, where, where, where you're dealing with one, um, that, that, that sector is now collapsing. And, you know, if there's a theme to this, Maybe, because I'm going to come on to Sinn Féin, because we, we, we know you have a pamphlet there from Paul Murphy. <laughs> I know you subscribe to Catholic, but I'm, I'm looking around to see if you've got um, no. either Das Kapital or Mein Kampf looking oh. around. Um, and, and, you know, on the subject of Sinn Féin and, and its journey, uh, one of the things I think the classic populist error is throwing out a, a simple slogan-based solution to what is actually a complicated problem. Um, if you listen to Sinn Féin's narrative, you know, a few years ago, consultants, medical consultants, appear to be public enemy number one. Yeah. Now it's landlords. And it seems to me that, uh, you know, again, on a balanced scorecard across governments, there's things they've done well and things they've done badly. Um, in the last 10 years since the crisis, they maybe had eight or 10 things on their to-do list. Um, they've knocked off six or seven of them mm. with tremendous success judged objectively by the data. They made minimal progress on health and a dog's dinner of housing.
Yeah. So Sinn Féin scans this landscape and now they're housing experts. Yeah. Housing, housing, housing. And it's a rich populist scene. Um, so Sinn Féin, are they populist or are they genuinely preparing for government? Well, Sinn, and what's your view? Sinn Féin are the best funded. I mean, they are. we've all forgotten about the money that they collected in their bad old days. Yeah, their protection rackets being Protection wrong, rackets and all that. Where did all that money go? Uh, and I mean, um, the, a team uh, went to Colombia uh, to sell um, military know-how to the communist guerrillas there. Uh, and the Americans, the Americans said that they were paid 20 million US dollars. Yeah, uh, and, and if, again, you, you cast across Sinn Féin commentary, you could read abundant condemnation of landlords, find me condemnation of a fuel smuggler. Yeah, um, exactly. You don't see it. No, but I mean, but uh, but the point being that they are a massively well-funded party, mm. and uh, they are they are organised in a way which most people don't believe. Mm. They are they don't have a parliamentary party which decides policy here in Leinster House. If you're their spokesman on housing or whatever it is, you get um, told what to do by the Ard Corla. Which is dominated by people in Belfast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I see it every day in here. I mean, and by the way, I get on. I, I, I'm never rude or anything else. I get on well with the Sinn Féin people that I do. do and so crazy or And I mean, uh, being being frosty or nasty it, uh, achieves nothing. But I see them every day. They are whipped to uh, within an inch of their existence on every vote. They are given scripts to read. There's a party line on everything. None of them have any room to manoeuvre whatsoever. And you look at Pather Tobin, for instance, on, on, on abortion. Mm. He resigned. He did. Because, because they couldn't actually have in their ranks well, just, somebody who would actually say, I don't agree with the yeah. party line. So they're very tightly structured. But do, and is and that it's, necessarily... It's not, merely, it's not merely that they're tightly structured. You talk about the, the role of members of parliament, even going back to Edmund yeah. Burke. They are, in fact... You have to give them flexibility. They have, in fact, they're elected representatives. They're elected representatives, but I mean, they're not. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, well, let me let me put what might be the case for the defence then, from Sinn Fein's point of view. Um, firstly, they are a highly disciplined party. That's uh, uh, maybe innovative in Ireland, but it's not new. If you go back to um, yeah. Isaac Butt and Charles Stuart Parnell, Par Parnell invented parliamentary block voting that was conceived as yeah. totally undemocratic, undemocratic. Yeah. but they said no we will act as a party, so Sinn Féin openly says it will act as a party. They put democratic store in their Ardesh yeah. uh, rather than in the roles that Sinn Féin members might play. Um, so, and they could argue that that's, that's not undemocratic, it just is the way they're structured. I'll tell you something else about them. They're very professional because I've had experience. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm watching them. I'm, I'm, with, I'm with you a thousand percent. Of I, I, I've I'm had watching them. They're, they're the smoothest operators I've ever seen. And by the way, you know what they're doing now? Mm -hmm. They're going to all of the big um, commercial companies in, in, in Dublin, the big solicitors firms, mm -hmm. and introducing themselves. And uh, I've noticed recently as part of their push for government, they're wearing uh, collars and ties. Yeah, so uh, saying, don't, don't be scared. <laughs> exactly. We are, we, are, we, are, we are trustworthy. There's this a big, part there's a big campaign and it's, it's, it's being, it's being um, uh, the, you know, they're, they're even thinking of at the next presidential election who they're going to run and they're toying around with the idea of running Francis Black uh, as, a, as a kind of a non-party candidate. There you go. Uh, um, so, so, so they're thinking it through. And I said, I've been at committee meetings in this uh, building yeah. um, on price of motion. They're very well briefed, always. Which, you know, if you're lobbying, 
that at least is refreshing. <laughs> well, that, 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 there's a discipline there. But I mean, they aren't the only people to use the party whip. I mean, uh, yeah, indeed. I mean, going back to what we mentioned earlier, I mean, Desel Maddy was, uh, was put out for conduct unbecoming for yeah. actually, um, uh, for criticising charity housing. The low standards in high places. Una Voce, Una Duce, uh, yeah. PJ Mara and all the rest of it. And I mean, and he was eventually um, expelled from Fianna Fáil. They, 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 they put him out of the parliamentary party and they expelled, expelled him because uh, he uh, didn't vote for uh, Charlie Hawley's um, um, uh, birth control legislation. Yeah, I mean, which was kind of a last straw yeah, thing yeah. In, a, in a thoroughly deteriorated relationship. It was, yeah. Two. But I mean, uh, and, and by the way, I, I remember sort of, uh, I think Alan Dukes tried to get rid of John Donnellan for saying that it was raining uh, soup, he'd be out with a fork. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, there are all sorts of uh, precedents for ridiculous discipline. And one of the problems with, uh, I mean, the PDs, one thing that never was given, we were never given credit for, was um, uh, we had a conscience clause uh, in, our, oh, in, right. our, in our in our constitution. And that Specifically is. Specifically with kind yeah, of social that you, 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 Yeah, exactly. That, I mean, there were people like Bobby Malloy and, and on yeah. one hand and, and Liz O'Donnell on the other who sometimes didn't like the position that the party and government was taking yeah. and they were free to just uh, absent themselves or vote against as they wish. Yeah. Um, so the, the PD certainly functioned well. And it, it, just to go back to, to Sinn Féin for the minute, um, when we spoke about Catholic Ireland, you said it was literally withering away, like like snow in the fields. Not in the north of Ireland, by the way. Okay, not in the north, but I don't know. Um, so what I was going to say is that in Catholic Ireland, in the Republic at least, the, the hard line is withering away. Sinn Féin is the dark green, nasty, borderline criminal, republican aspect of, 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 of the whole Sinn Féin movement. Is that withering away in preparatory for government from the middle ground? Or, or do you fear that it's not? This is like there's a mafia behind the scenes and we're going well, to let them in. I believe that, uh, and I mean, this isn't my imagination, I believe that um, there's a group of people uh, where the army council were, they probably still consider themselves the army. You know, the ideology is that in uh, sometime in the mid-1930s, the last remaining members of the second Dáil met with the army council of the IRA and gave them uh, uh, the powers of the second Dáil, which they said was the only legitimate Yeah, they derived, they derive, they, this is their sort of yeah. origin story, yeah. if you like. It is, they it's their creation myth. Yeah, the creation. And they, they, they actually, they actually uh, in their little green book, any operation, any theft, any murder, any torture, any killing, mm could not be criminal because it was an act of the legitimate Irish state. Well, there you go, which is a terrific get-out clause, which is why you can defend murdering Jerry McCabe yeah. uh, while robbing uh, pensions money from a post office van yeah. um, and claim that it was you know, a, a, a legitimate act by a legitimate army. If it's a legitimate army, then war crimes come into play. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, I think that, and it's worth asking Sinn Féin explicitly, when did you start respecting the existence of the southern state that you now... Well, I mean, to this, this is the point. I mean, they, they still don't accept the legitimacy of it because they think it is an illegitimate departure from the Republic declared... Declared on the steps of the GPO. Yeah, but, I mean, so that's their theoretical, ideological position. And, um, you know, that is the position that de Valera took from, 20, well, from again, 22 Sinn, to 32. Sinn Féin would point out that yeah, you know, Fianna Fáil spent 12 years in yeah. the theoretical shadow of a gunman. Exactly. And I mean, 
Um, and in the end, um, it, it is possible that they will accept the legitimacy of this state because they're not going to be a united Ireland. There isn't, there isn't going to be, in the, uh, in, for the foreseeable future, a majority to vote yes uh, on both sides of the border. The, and, and the reason for the sort of um, Venezuela Cuba yeah. model socialist yeah, ex exactly. an integral part of the plan. Exactly. I mean, uh, but the point I make is this. In order to maximise the vote and to keep uh, their own share of the vote in Northern Ireland absolutely solid, mm -hmm. they have to beat the drum and say, we want an early border poll. Mm -hmm. They know they would lose it. I mean, it's utterly dishonest. It's a complete hoax. And the re I mean, in the South, all opinion polls say, you know, do you favour United Ireland? Yes, I do. I do, very strongly, personally. But it's on condition that the million people... It, it, it implied, when I say United Ireland, uh, by yeah. implication, I mean a peaceful resolution. Exactly. I don't mean an inversion. And it's, our, it's on condition that they are not dragged into um, a state that they hate. Um, do you think it likely that we will have Sinn Féin in government in the Republic? And if so, what specifically are your concerns about that? I mean, you might have a broader uh, um, critique well, of the entire Sinn Féin project, but you know, if, if they get uh, Mary Lou's Taoiseach and to be in government in yeah. these buildings? Well, um, I, t I think two, two things, to be honest with you, Connor. I think this government is not going to be re-elected in the, the same order it was. It's going to take a hammering. People will want change the next time around, and mm -hmm. they're going to get change, in my view. And, um, but at the moment, things are in a complete state of flux. You know, there are people talking about setting up a Dutch-style uh, farmers' party. Um, I think something new is going to emerge. And um, will that be Sinn Féin? No, no. I mean, I, I think oh, there'll be a new, a, a new village. I, I, I don't think we will go into the next election and have the choices we did at the last. Yeah. I, I think there'll be a, something else where where the PDs were really are a, a centre. Center right. So uh, does that mean you're going to go out and found a new party tomorrow? tomorrow. Well, that's a very good question. <laughs> but I mean, but, but, but what I actually do mean is is that uh, I think there's a huge opportunity for it, and not merely an opportunity in the sense of being opportunistic. I think there's a need for it okay. because because you know I really don't think that a young person um, who's struggling and won't have been gouged for rent because of housing shortages and all the rest of it really wants a socialist. Uh, um, Marxist Ireland. Thirty-two county European Cuba yeah. is, is yeah. honestly not supported by a, 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 yeah. a, a, any sort of. Well, that's memory. that's why the that's why the people before profit pamphlet was worth three euros <laughs> because I, I mean it paints a, a very vivid picture of what a, a left-dominated Ireland would be. Two-stage plan. Stage one: yeah. change the entire world, including human yeah. nature. Yeah. Stage two: my paper plan is now perfect. Yeah. Um, do you know, it, uh, it's a bit of a sort of mental mental gear change or a quick one, but um, I, I was going to go back to the, the long election count that night in uh, Ballsbridge. That was you and John Gormley, isn't that right? Yeah, that was in, uh, what year was it? Uh, 2000 and... I should have checked. Uh, 1997. It was it 97? Yeah. There's a pal of mine who's a barrister and he was there. Uh, there's a, 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 one of the candidates, a fellow called Patrick Madigan, and yeah. um, he was Fianna Fáil, I think. And my mate was there in his capacity as a scrutineer um, for Madigan. So he was there witnessing 
physically witnessing the count going on. And I think one of the stories that came out of it as it was recounted and recounted and recounted, there was a ballot paper with number one written beside every as candidate. Promised. As promised. Yeah. <laughs> it was number one written uh, uh, for me, as promised, and was uh, signed by with a with woman's name. And uh, I remember afterwards, Neve said, who is she? And I discovered afterwards, uh, it was a woman who lived uh, somewhere down in um, Ballsbridge, and she had been nagged by Michael Norris, who's my director of elections. Very good. And uh, she, she wrote Michael as promised on the paper, <laughs> which is useless to me. But I mean, it was, uh, it, was, it was a funny evening because uh, so it was a, it was a, I was looking at the um, votes, and in the end, mm. um, what put me out was um, the distribution of uh, Fine Gael votes. Right. Joe Doyle's vote. How close was it at the very end? It was 27 votes. 27 votes. <laughs> and I mean, but I, I could see it happening. And, 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 and as a consequence, um, when I became AG later on, yeah. I was very hostile to the, uh, and as minister, um, myself and Mary Harling were very hostile to electronic voting. Um, well, well the, the very fact that um, the, in Ireland, there's a paper ballot, number one means that it's difficult to stuff a ballot box. Yeah, uh, physically. Yeah, up yeah. in Beechwood Avenue or something. Yeah, yeah. You can't just, uh, the uh, the presiding officer can't just keep dropping because people would notice that's strange. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. But um, the second thing about it is that it, it's educational because mm -hmm. people do realise, you know, that in the case of uh, myself and John Gormley, that, yeah. the, that the sixth preference and the seventh preference really does matter. did decide it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's kind of exciting to see the process. Um, so you were there at the beginning of the PDs and you were there at the end. Yeah. Um, the end probably was, you know, the backlash that came out of the financial crisis. Um, there's much shared responsibility well, for that. I, I don't hang well, well, on the well, Funnily enough, I mean, I lost my seat. Yeah. Uh, and uh, lost, uh, you had to be a member of the parliamentary party. You had to be a TD to be to be. Well, they changed that rule. Yes, so they changed it afterwards. Yeah. yeah. But 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 I, I lost my seat in two thousand and seven, mm -hmm. and I always you know people sort of think oh yeah uh, think back to two thousand and seven, but in that was in May two thousand and seven that election yeah. in June two thousand and seven, the central bank issued its uh, annual report for the year two thousand and six. And it said it had stress tested every Irish bank <laughs> and that they were in fine condition and there was no need to be, to be worried. And you know, um, so I was out anyway, but within two years, mm. um, the, uh, the property boom collapsed. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it was a huge failure of the bank of, of the central bank at the time. Yeah. Not not to keep not to keep it, 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 and, and of course I, I, that failure had many fathers as well. Well it did. I mean one of the things was that uh, we were running budget surpluses. Do you remember Charlie mm -hmm. McCreevy uh, and, and well, I Brian, it, I spend it. Brian Cowan <laughs> but I mean they they had so much money coming in they were well Charlie McCreevy was in and people sort of say now if I had it I spend it. He did say that at one stage. Yeah. But he also was built up a, 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 a reserve fund which did help us. It is uh, seventeen uh, million. We lost yeah. it all. Yeah. It helped. But it was there yeah. <laughs> when it was there. But I mean um you know and, and also I mean the state had uh, we, we had we had I suppose wrongly um, narrowed the tax base uh, mm -hmm. too much, uh, and we were overly dependent on stamp duty, which was piling money into the exchequer. Yeah, and I mean, I remember, you know, um, there were a hundred percent loans, 
and there was well. 110 percent. Yeah, I remember as well. They lend you the money to pay the stamp duty. Yeah, yeah. and it, it came home to roost. Um, and now here we are awash with corporation tax money, um, sort of vaguely saying that you know this 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 could evaporate, but you know take corporation tax receipts out, the underlying uh, exchequer position is a little less comfortable. Well, the, the, nobody says ever in politics now what at least everybody was obliged to do when, when I was a TD and a minister to say, how will you pay for it? Nobody, yeah. nobody even asked that question. Yeah. Everything, I mean, there are people standing up from all sides of the political spectrum demanding more money to be spent on virtually everything. These are the same people who, let, who pretend that they have contempt for Charlie McCreevy yeah, uh, because yeah. he said, I have Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, it's extraordinary. The, the I mean, sort of think, of, think of the... Think of the um, volume of activity that the state is now subsidising, mm. you know, all over the place, and, uh, and think of the an, an amount of um, NGOs that the state is shoveling money into. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, and because you know when you have money, it's the easiest thing in the world to spend it. You know, yeah. what are you doing about X? Well, like through fifty million out of it, rather than judging by outcomes. So still lots on our to-do list. And, you know, there's loads more we could have talked about from planning and um, constitutional reform. Sorry, I'd love to talk about those things too because that's where I'm really... I know, and, I, I, and people will be reading in the Irish Times um, and it, 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 it's a point you make regularly. There is lots we're getting wrong. If we had to sort of pretend we were on Morning Ireland and you only had 30 seconds, what are we doing wrong on planning and housing and how do we fix it? In 30 seconds, what yeah. I would say is that there isn't a constitutional problem, there's a political willpower problem, there's a, a department of state called the Custom House which has made an absolute bags of Irish planning, Irish local government and uh, housing for the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we need a radically different approach. The state is going to have to take, and this is me now as a yes, yeah. the state is going to have to take a central role in making development land available both in city centres and uh, um, uh, in, in, in undeveloped land, it's going to it's going to have to drive the construction process in a way that we haven't seen since the nineteen fifties or sixties. And the funny thing is that the other day, um, Daryl Bryan was in the in the Senate and he said this. Yeah. He said, you know, the, our rate of construction of houses, he said, mm. um, is the highest since nineteen seventy five. And I took him up on that later. I said, that's a good boast, but. What was it about 1975, a poor, impoverished yeah, island, that, we that they were able to do more than we were able to yeah. do now? And you know, he might flick back at you that it is your colleagues um, down in the city centre, in the, the forecourts, the four um, that, that strangle at birth any any attempt to improve or Well, maybe not strangle at birth, but at least the power of inertia that's exerted. Well, it's very difficult to do anything quickly. When I was AG, I talked out unusually. I actually appeared uh, on the part five of the Planning Act, which you know was to mm. require people to set aside a certain portion of everything as social housing yeah. rather than have segregation. And uh, the Supreme Court upheld that legislation. The, the, the president at the time had referred to the Supreme Court. Um, the Constitution is not the issue. Lawyers will, 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 will judicially review anything that moves. Oh, they will. Uh, uh, and, yeah. and, um, there's a new planning bill uh, before the houses, which is going to make that more difficult. But rows about uh, about uh, about delays arising from legal challenges are one serious problem, and I accept that. Mm -hmm. But the fundamental thing is to get the market right, and the way to get the market right is to get the state in as the provider and uh, and and um, 
an initiator of of, of, yeah. of of building. And you go back to Dublin in the nineteen or sorry in the seventeenth and eighteenth sorry the eighteenth and nineteenth centuries. Okay. It was built the on a large scale commission wide streets commission. Yeah. They did they did the building. Yeah. Uh, and you know um, we have to go back to there. We have to and, and and more recently than that projects on the scale of Ireland and Russia were astonishing yeah. for a young state. Well I mean I, I, I got a text yesterday from a colleague in, in Leinster House and uh, he he was quoting an engineer from the Midwest yeah. Who said, you know, that um, Arna Crusher was built by the Free State Government just after a civil war? Mm. They just built it. Now, take a look at the metro. Oh, <laughs> 15 to 20 years. Well, then we'd be 15 to 20 years talking about that, yeah. the amount of conversation that's gone on. Um, Wilson Michael, it's a great pleasure to chat to you. As I say, I feel, feel we've only kind of uh, scratched the surface um, and plenty going on. Um, and you're staying busy in the show. I'm staying busy, yeah. Um, very good. And uh, to be seen in the Irish Times, is it weekly or is it in the uh, uh, On Wednesdays, on Wednesdays, yeah. Very good, very good. Um, so ch ch tune in there for the next chapter in, uh, in, in, in Michael and Sue's. Uh, Senator Michael McDool, thank you very much. Thanks very much, Colin. So that's Michael McDool. I hope you enjoyed the chat. Let me know if you have any thoughts on the podcasts. Get in touch at connorfalkland at gmail.com. Do remember that you can access the full Driving Life archive of previous episodes at seniortimes.ie. Thanks again to Dora Mobile Phones and to Expressway Buses. And we're done. Drive safely, live happily, and come back and see us again. An will phone poke a newowet, an will knappy no fum nis orjoet, nis eskalehusaj, faker no phone in takata gwin, on show, egg daro. An von klishte is dani gadi gohan la hai glina agus taskina. Ta rod egen gogachtina. Ta nismo olis egg daro dot com.